and welcome back to the Red Room. I'm Mitch Proctor. Tonight we're picking back up with Mike and Charlie, Night 2, Part 2. And the rest of the evening pretty much goes as follows. Thanks again for listening. Have a good time. Okay. I was saying that I remember that time period in a form of pictures. Um, more than I do actually being there. I remember it more third person than first person. So that was my point that I wanted to make mm-hmm. for the pertaining to what you were saying earlier. And you wanted to ask me questions about how old I was. Well, yeah, because uh, psychology, as far as I understand it, has shown that, like, you know, for children up to about three years old, don't generally actually have memories of what happened to them before three. I believe three that. seems to be about the cutoff. Now, I'm, not saying, believe, I'm not saying that's all the time. There can be outliers. But that's also when they believe children become self-aware. Right. That right. is when children start making excuses as and lying about whether they did something. Right. Or not. So there were there were a lot of things that happened in the nineties with repressed memories where people were like, Oh, when I was two, so and so, you know, abused me. <laughs> sure. And and, no, and, and a lot of that stuff was too. the the psychologists themselves leading people to these, you know, these Show us epiphanies. on the doll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Show me on the doll where Show you me on the you. dolly where you were touched. Exactly. So so, so yeah, I have sure. I have an issue like I said, I ha- it's an interesting, interesting dichotomy within myself because of the fact that, like, in having conversations with my father, he has times that he does not remember, you know, and they're they're at different points in his life. And then there are then there's the fact that I have studied psychology, granted a, a small bit, um, so I cannot speak as a professional. You know, let no, me make that clear. Were, I, I'm not um, sure that I followed your thought completely to the end there about. Um, psychology saying that memories before well, three, yeah, kind of going somewhere with that, and then you had a question that you well, wanted to know how old I was. I was asking how old you were to the point that you know you specifically you how old I was memories. when I got kidnapped or how old. I well, was how old you were the period when of time these memories when I was sexually molested? Well, no, these peri- this period of time when these memories seems to surface, like not how old you were when they, when they surfaced, but how old you were at the time that these memories happened. I'm, I'm, so I'm, I mean, I had. I don't understand the, when the memories. Are you talking about when I? Well, how old? Were, like, okay, so you so see, I'm, you say you have a repressed memory. Uh, how old sure. were you when this mem when you when this memory happened? So were you were you eight? Were you, you talking three? about when I discovered that I had repressed memories? No, 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 no. Like, how old are you when you have these memories? Like, thinking back now to these memories, how old I, were you? I, at the time? I started demonstrating uh, a lot of emotional evidence that I was troubled um, not too long after my father. Well, yeah, you've been troubled for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when my when my parents split and my father was out of the picture, and that was, was really difficult. at what age? Like um, about seven? Just before eight. Just before eight? Okay. So later in my seventh year, okay. um, my mother had finally gotten to a point. Um, and it's a really interesting story. I mean, it's a very interesting story. Uh you know, my sister and I, as you know, my siblings are much older than me. By the time that I was five years old, my brother, oldest brother and sister were already 18-ish mm-hmm. and out on their own mm-hmm. doing their own thing. Um, and it was just me and my sister, who at the time was 16, and I'm about six. Um, that is correlating with the time that my father was going from um, having a very seemingly successful multi-million dollar business 
uh, and and then running into a bunch of complications. Great story, by the way. He got his initial business funding from a gangster, an Italian mafia man, and uh, and I'm happy to say his name. His name was Sam Roselli. Come find me, Sam. Um, yeah, so you know, uh, don't don't come find me. Sam. <laughs> the, so basically, you dropped that name last time, and I, I felt did. uncomfortable. It's true. I'm, you, you I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Here's the thing: I don't feel weird about it because it was part of the story that formed me, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the thing is, my mother presented me with this contract about six, seven years ago that um, was a copy of an agreement my father had signed with the FBI because he was basically allowing... He was under a tax evasion investigation. Wow. The FBI got him to his business because he was crooked, straight mm-hmm. and simple. And he had he was running a business called IBMI, which was International Blasting Marines, Inc., which basically was a big oil freight ship cleaning business. So they would pull into harbor in New Orleans, big oil tankers, and he would clean everything out so they were ready for the next load. So he made a lot of money very quickly. And he had access to docks that were controlled by some nefarious groups and individuals. Um, And he ended up sort of providing, not sort of clearly, providing information to the feds about these people. And that put his life in danger, which is why we left New Orleans. So... um, it was at a time when all that was happening that he became very abusive because his whole life was sort of falling apart around him for obvious reasons. I could tell you more of the story, but you can fill in what I mean. Uh, and that during that time frame, he went through a serious self-destructive phase, which sort of carried over to his abuse of the people around him, right? So um, as far as when I discovered I had repressed memories... I discovered I had repressed memories um, through going to a psychiatrist, psychologist, because I had very uh, uh, rage tendencies as a young kid. And, you know, I think I've kind of demonstrated that about wanting to find the bully and antagonize him. And, excuse me. And so um, it was through all of the normal steps of psychiatry and uh, later psychology that led me to a point where I was revealing these things and it was happening simultaneously at a time where my sisters were having trouble coming forth and advocating for their own experiences of sexual abuse by my father. So, um, I, I discovered that early on, but I I was telling the story to point out a difference in, I was sort of a victim in two different ways. And in one way I totally blocked it out Mm -hmm. where I don't remember being there. In the kidnapping scenario, I don't remember being physically present. I look at it more like I'm watching uh, uh, pictures, right? Or, or even if if I try to remember it, it's like I'm watching a TV show about somebody else in a way. Um, so you know that that was the difference in those two uh, memories. As far as and then I forgot where we were going. I'm sorry, I lost track of what you were saying. As far as drawing a connection. Between well, lost memories and right, memories the the only thing I was pointing happen. out was that like you know for me, it's difficult because the fact that I want to believe my father when he says that he has like gaps in his memory. Oh, and, and you're and with the research with that the says research, that that's not possible. Research that says it's not possible, and and specifically some of the research says it's before a certain age. Now beyond a certain age, I don't know because like I said, I'm not a professional. Uh, well, let me just share with you person. this then. Oh, go ahead. Okay. No, 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 go ahead. No. Okay, so if, if it's not possible, then there's only one of two options, 
really, for me. Mm-hmm. Either I repress the memory of <laughs> grandma's, grandma's titties, topless hula dance. <laughs> or it didn't happen. Or <laughs> the four you. other people in my it's family who witnessed it <laughs> imagined it. Okay. Like, so so no. it either happened and I don't remember it or it didn't happen. And somehow in they have like a a communal like fantasy <laughs> illusion sure. that it happened. So Wait, you're a, talking about the, the long con. The long con. That's the longest con. The longest con that went to, to my father's grave. Because mm-hmm. that was his mother. Okay. Oh, gotcha. You know, yeah, gotcha. So, yeah. The two things I, would, I, so, I wanted to make a point about is um, <laughs> um, I, I didn't finish a story about my, my, my family's uh, – the reason that it started coming clear to me about <clears> repressed <throat> memories. And, and you said, how did I know? It started happening because um, the way the story goes is when my dad, when my father put – a loaded three fifty seven to my head and threatened to shoot my sister and I. My sister bolted. I mean, she really felt like her life was in danger because she was the the um, antagonist to my father. She was just a tough person who wasn't willing to take shit. And if it meant she needed to fight back, she would take a beating, but she would fight back. And she kicked him through a glass. And she kicked him while he had picked her up and thrown her against the couch. And he was going to strike her, and she just started kicking him in the chest, and he fell backwards and fell through this glass table and passed out. And when he woke up, he had a big gash in his leg, and he was pissed. So he grabbed his nickel-plated 357 and started walking around the house like a big shot, right? Mm-hmm. So that was the first time that my mother couldn't reasonably delude herself. With the sexual nature of the abuse that my sisters were talking about, my mother could easily say to herself, these kids don't know what they're talking about. They're imagining things. They hate him. Whatever she needed to tell herself, she had some level of doubt that made it easier for her to deal with. When it came to there being a gun being wielded and she's there and she's being abused too, she made a decision, and this is where it gets crazy about my life, this is where my mom sits my sister down and says, the person who you think is your father, who I've told you is your father all these years, that's not your father. Your real father, he isn't dead like the guy you have been told your father is your father. He's not passed away. He's alive. And he lives about four hours south of here. And you've never known him because I had you out of wedlock. And I'm scared for your life, so I'm going to send you away to him to live with him for your last couple of years of high school because I'm afraid my husband's going to kill you. And I don't think he'll kill the young boy because that's the only person that's really his son. So in a moment where my mother feels like the only way to protect her daughter is to send her to a a person who to my sister is a complete fucking stranger and, and basically takes her in. So it was almost like within a week, my life went from my 16-year-old sister being sort of the center of my universe because that's who I was always at the hip of to she's gone now. She mm-hmm. lives over in this place with this guy that we've never fucking heard of, right? Wow. And my mo- to this day, the estrangement between my sister and my mother is directly correlating to it can be attributable to that point that well and to things that happened before for sure right but definitely to that moment exactly and so to my mother she's she's sort of the martyr right i gave up my daughter 
I protected her because I was worried about her life. Mm-hmm. To my sister, it's you coward. You chose your husband over me. Wow. And so that's that. And so for me as a seven year old, it was this night and day moment where all of a sudden my sister was gone. Right. You had family and then all of a sudden I had, family like, is I gone. I had this sister there. She's gone. Right. And then I'm there and there's all this crazy shit happening. And then my dad's gone. And then it's just me and my mother. And then my mother and I are off in another state, you know, because she's worried about her own shit. So you can imagine as far as me saying I got into questioning religion, God, existentialism at eight, nine and ten. This is why. Right. And so when when other 11 year old kids are like, Voltron's the best. I fucking hope I get a remote control car this year. I'm like, you pussy. You don't know shit about life. You know, like, you know, I, You're I, like, I, I just read Sartre's nausea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I did. Deal I, with that. I had that mindset that made a lot of decisions for me later on. And, and as far as repressed memories, I became a big, and you know I'm a big fan and believer in the science of mental health mm-hmm. and psychology because it helped me. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it gave me um, a real schematic in my, my, from my perspective of how people work, mm-hmm. regardless of whether they really want to or not. And, um, and it really gave me confidence about owning my own story. So I can talk about this stuff openly. Right. Kind of pertaining back to where I said before, in a weird way, uh, I'm happy to have survived it. Mm-hmm. I like who I am at this moment. And I express serious doubt that I could be anywhere near the same person without the traumas that I've experienced. And, and that's the argument I present to my siblings is I know you're pissed off at my mom, but quite honestly, would you be, the badass that you're so fucking confident in if it weren't for all this fucked up shit. Mm -hmm. And don't you kind of relate to your mom as an individual who was desperate and didn't know as much as she thought she did and all of her tenants about what was right and wrong all that shit got blown out the fucking window well, the is, minute isn't that an, you know, an example of you being able to in. step outside and look at it from a different perspective but that's being driven by a traumatic experience and right I'm not sure right. there I, I and i don't have any information or data backed uh, uh details to tell mm-hmm. you about um you know how many people come out of a structured healthy lifestyle and have these <laughs> same questions what i'm trying to say is that um perhaps there is a tremendous amount of depth and value to those people who happen to come out of a shitstorm mm-hmm. um scathed but still standing mm-hmm. and a little wiser about the world and you find i think i find repeatedly that those are the people that others, whether they know it or not, or whether they're aware of it or not, those are the people that they cling to in a storm. Well, and, and you know, let me just share this. And I don't know how, I honestly do not know how many people I've shared this with. But, you know, I, sh- I shared with you guys earlier. <laughs> I'm so afraid you're going to tell me about no, no, the cock I, again. No, not at all. <laughs> but I, I, I shared with you guys, I shared with you guys you my father was, was depressed uh, suffers from depression. Um, I, I had a conversation a conversation with my sister uh, several years ago, 
And she asked me about a time when I was probably about 16, 17 years old living in California. And uh, she asked me, did I remember the fact that my father tried to commit suicide? And I told her that I did not remember this. And I still cannot remember this. Do you remember when Warner Brothers tried to commit suicide squad? Yes, I do remember <laughs> that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not making light. I just had so, to say it. Sorry. So, I mean, that's I why like I say, it. like, I'm yeah, torn. I I, I, there's this dichotomy within myself, you know, regarding repressed memories. Now, anything bef- before, you know, the age of three, psychology says that most most children, and granted there are outliers. So what's the point of playing classical music to a fetus then? I really don't know. I mean, honestly, okay, but I, I don't know. I don't know what the whole thing okay. is with that. Um, and granted, like I said, I'm a lay person. I'm mm-hmm. not a professional, but you know. So there's a point in my life where my sister says I should remember these things, mm-hmm. and I do not remember them. She says that there's a time in my life where I came home from work, and I do remember one of them. But she says there was a couple of them where I came home from work, and my father had tried to commit suicide by you know, ingesting pills and the paramedics were leaving and had pumped his stomach. I remember one time, I don't remember more than one time, but my sister swears up and down that there were a couple of times. I think she says there was actually three times, but I only remember one. So, you know, so like I said, I, I don't discount the idea of repressed memories, but I also, because of what I know, I sometimes have difficulty saying yes there that there are repressed memories um so i'm not i would never discount what you said charlie um because of the fact that you were you were older you know and so you would have a grasp of what was happening around you if not necessarily all of the details especially at a young age you know when you were when you were younger you were kidnapped and everything um and then you, Mitch, not see your grandmother's, <laughs> not see your grandmother's boobies, and yes, I said boobies because I have to say boobies. Well, uh, I mean, look, I, it's I, actually a drinking game for our audience. It's like you take a shot every time Mike says boobies. Woohoo! Drinking you game, take boobies. To, to his point, though, in me saying that, I, you know, I can tell you that I was sexually molested, mm-hmm. but you don't remember your grandmother's tits, and I don't remember boobies. my dad's cock. Do you mm-hmm. see my point? Yeah. Like. I I have one hazy, faded memory of that moment. The like the only time I can ever remember something where I was like, what the "Fuck is that?" And mm-hmm. I do think it was the first time I saw my dad's penis, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Because I think I was getting. I think he was like getting me in the shower with him. And I was just fucking, like, I wasn't scared or anything. I was just like, what the fuck's going on with your midsection, man? Like, <laughs> like I, almost like I was like, your shorts are fucking freaking me out. <laughs> there were no shorts there. But I, I, I mean it. Like, there is one fleeting faded memory. Right. I, I'm not, I, I'm kind of um, adverse to the idea, like, I'm a big believer in psychology. But mm-hmm. I do think that different individuals have different defense mechanisms. No, no, I completely and agree I, with that. I also want to say in terms of what we're talking about with repressed memories, um, the only discernible difference I could tell you about being kidnapped by a stranger or my father being abusive mm-hmm. is I don't I don't remember ever there being a moment where my father walked in the room that I was afraid and distrusting. 
And I think that's the difference. Mm-hmm. I think as a kid, you don't know that something nefarious is going on. So you're just kind of like, oh, hey, hey. Yeah. I'm doing I'm doing what kid stuff. Right. I'm doing what parents expect me to do. Right. right. And you, you don't have that thought. Right. But if it's a stranger, there's clearly fear. Right. There's clearly right. this. Well, because with a parent, you know, you, you instantly wanna, trust them. I think as a child. Well, I want to expand on that because for me, the guy pulled up in a car and I could see my house. Like I was maybe 80 yards from my front door. And there was a clear moment where I was thinking I could run there. And I didn't run. And you want to talk about feeling guilty about something when you're the one who's the victim. Mm -hmm. I feel guilty. As a kid, I felt guilty about not running, not making a go for it. I got, I willingly out of fear got in the vehicle. Well, and 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 I mean, got truly scared, like, got nothing I don't to do. I don't know what that's called I better get in the car but I had a I had a teacher when I was in junior high who shared with us that he was in the military during the time of Vietnam and one of the things they did to him in the military was they went through this whole practice nice of seven. like exactly they went through this whole practice of uh, what it would what it would be like if you were in a camp as a Vietnam prisoner and he had this whole as a POW scenario, as a POW. Yeah, and he had this whole scenario where he was kept in a box for days on end. Well, they're trying to cultivate your and, skill, man. Right, yeah. and and they were kept in a box on days on end. And he said he told us he's like I literally there was a point in time where they were he was let out of the box, the gate to the prison was open. He could have run for it, made it out of the prison, and he didn't do it. Right, right, right. Because they you're saying this was part of his training. This was part of his training. Yes, this is what he told us when I was in junior high, and he said this is part kind of, of his a weird fucking thing to share. With yeah, like, kids you know, high. hey kids, before PE today, <laughs> we got actually, actually, <laughs> it was banned. After, it was banned <laughs> after banned and, and before language arts. Before we play this, this one time at band camp, we play this Star Wars theme. I want to tell you about this time I was in the shit. That's right. This one time I was at band in camp. The shit. That's right. For three months. He's like, you don't know what it was like to be in Denang. He starts crying. I couldn't run. I couldn't run. I couldn't run, Mike. I couldn't run. But no, he shared that same type of experience though, where he could, where he literally looked at the open gates and could not turn to run. Yeah. Because it was just fear. He was just too afraid to run. I was afraid. I was just afraid. And I didn't I, I didn't have the understanding of shit. I was seven, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, so I, I definitely. But I remember, again, to me, it was like the channel, the TV turned off the minute I got in the car. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I remember seeing my house. I remember deciding to get in the car. And then nothing. And yeah. then I, I, I remember details. I remember lying about needing medication to go to the bathroom. Like, I I don't know where I came up with that, but I concocted some bullshit about needing medicine to go to the restroom because I couldn't Mm -hmm. couldn't go to the bathroom. I was scared shitless. Well, like I said, it's speaking with my sister. There are times that I can't remember, and she swears, she swears that I was there, and I do not remember it. I'm, I'm just saying I've witnessed that myself. I believe in the power of repressed memories when they're traumatic. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much I buy into them when they're not 
traumatic. I do think Nana's boobies can be. <laughs> but, you know, I would have been traumatized. I'm, I'm just sorry. Saying, Apparently, I, do, I was. I, I can't say that. I, I can't say that consciously if, that I was. But if I had seen my grandmother's boobies, I would want to block that out. Like I do I think that's believe. traumatic, and I, you know, I I think uh, I got to the place I'm at about my viewpoint in life now by looking at human history and really feeling like. You know, I know that it sounds really horrible to some people who are listening who might have had normal lives, but <laughs> mm-hmm. in the history of humanity, my story is not all that unfamiliar or fucked up. And, and I'm it, sure there's a lot of people out there who have been kidnapped. I'm just saying that we don't have this. We're not all a collection of delicate snowflakes throughout human history uh, that, that haven't survived anything. Um I, I, you can take that however you want it. I just I found a lot more evidence that this was uh, sadly more routine in human history, regardless of where you look. Roman mm-hmm. history, Greek history, uh, you can make your own conclusions from that information. But my only point is to say, I found that my experience, even though it sounds extreme, is still a hundred percent human. And I think remembering that and and also being at a place where you look at yourself as having survived something mm-hmm. and you kind of wear it as a badge, you kind of enjoy your scars, so to speak. I think when you wear it on your sleeve, it presents you with a sense of self-confidence that's really difficult to tarnish mm-hmm. and can make other people feel slightly... Um, Uncomfortable, perhaps, or insecure. Insecure in their own confidence, Mm -hmm. because mine isn't sort of pinned on uh, accomplishment, money, and looks. It's just... It's true. Charlie has the looks. uh, (laughs) It's not pinned to it, you know? So I I think that there's something to... You weren't handed a trophy. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't need it. You know, my trophies are are scars that I've had from a lot of different experiences. And, you know, and I I like competing. I like, I think for me, if you want to bring it down to that level, and a great way for me to end my story about it is no matter whether it's a game or a real life fight, my, my interest is in putting forward the best fucking fight that I know how to do. And regardless of winning, losing, we want those things, we fear those things, or we don't want those things. Um, in the end, I want to be able to say I, I, I scrapped with everything I fucking had, and and if that that means I lost it, that's fine with me. I don't care. Look at that dude; he's mm-hmm. not walking away <laughs> easy, you know. And if that means I won one, I, it came at a price. I don't mind that, you know. Yeah. And I think when you run across people like that in the real world, it there's a clear line of um, of of individuals who have knowledge of that kind of thing. And can go out into life. Those are the people you want on your side. You know, those are the people that you want on your side when things really get bad. You don't want the person that this is the first time life hits them in the face and they're like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. I'm not as good as I thought I was. Oh, shit. This is hard for me to take. Oh, my God. I I totally tried really hard, but I fucking suck. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that dude at 45 who's like, oh, shit. I'm fucking nothing. I'm so full of shit now. I don't even know what I was thinking. <laughs> you don't want to be that dude, you know? And and I think I think that's the whole point is to be able to appreciate the weird fucking nuance that's involved with looking back at a hardship and going, you know what? I'm not sure I would have changed it. 
you know and, and I, I want to wrap this up for my personal story and I'll go more into it if you need me to but let me let me give you a good summation of how to for me personally I moved to Arizona in another relationship and got broken up with and I knew nobody here and I was all on my own and I was miserable and traumatized and freaked out and emotional right and I stuck it out and I stayed here where I knew nobody and basically 17 years later I'm married to a girl I love and I, I have a history of pets and friends and people that I love and would have never been presented to me had I not made a gigantic fucking mistake and followed this asshole to Tucson originally but that's kind of my point right you you find that gritty regrettable painful moments in your life can sometimes really play a role in setting the foundation for something great and something special and um it's hard to look back and say i wish i would have never had that bad experience or i wish i would have changed that you, you can't you can't underestimate the impact that it might have on you being strong enough to help somebody persevere through something horrible or being able to add even some insight through something like a podcast for somebody who might be able to relate and see that the only you don't have some uh, uh, vacuum where you don't have options to be a good person you're not indicted to be an angry rage filled victim when shit happens to you you know you can take that experience and learn from it and and and, and I would say that that goes into if you have to put it into a fighting metaphor every time you get hit in the face you learn how to block better you learn how to become a better fighter and and i think that's really what it boils down to i don't want to take it to the generational thing but what you've just said <laughs> there are so many people who take all those trials and the tribulations that they've experienced through life and they just take a victim's mentality they do and they just cry about it and they don't become better for it They're and what yeah. yeah, what you're you're describing is how the human experience should go. You take the things that have uh, sharpened you, that have tempered you, and you do something. You do something with it. Like that's it's 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 admirable. I don't know of any other word. So trying. Well right. done. Well, I, I, I just, well, let's don't we're, pretend we're, like he's a complete person. Well, well no, we're, we're glad you life. came to. We're glad you're here in the dirty <laughs> tea, and and uh, you know I don't I don't know the story <laughs> the of the tea. the person that you followed to the dirty tea, but whoever you followed to the dirty tea <laughs> has that caught on yet? The, dirty, the dirty tea. I'm making it a thing. Okay, it's a thing. It's a dirty tea. Now. All right, now, I you love know, it. I, I'll tell I love you it. this. Um, I do feel so. There was a period of time I told you earlier, that, um, and I, and I, forgive me, audience or anybody for making this about me. Um, but I hope that anything I'm sharing can help anybody listening get through something tough. That's the only reason I'm motivated to share it. Uh, I had a troubling four or five years where I really wanted to change my name um, because of that, you know, previously mentioned connection to me feeling like I was indicted to become this devil that I saw my father as and all the pain that he inflicted on me. And now he's become an entirely different he's devil. He's his own devil. Totally he's his own devil. And you know, isn't that yeah. the dream? Well, well, good for you. Your own devil. Good for you. That's going to be the title of this clap. one. Become your own devil. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm fascinated with devils, by the way. I have a bunch of little devil dolls around. I do. It's, he does. I have. I love devils. Devil pigs. <laughs> devil ducks. 
devil voodoo dolls. I love all of it. Yes. Um, there's a whole theme for that too. I, I like again, sort of poking my finger in the nose of that sort of mythology. If if I were a psychologist, I might delve into that, but I'm, you should. I'd be scared. Now, um, uh, but I, I do. If f- you were, if I were, <laughs> you should be. You could be eventually. He will um, be someday. Yeah, I I I um I struggled with changing my name because I thought that would detach me from that. After confronting my father and getting what I did from him though I decided to keep my name uh, and a lot of what I do in life I feel it adds value to my father's existence so the crazy thing about my dad is all these horrible things he did he did some extraordinary great things for my family for my extended family isn't that kind of like the epitome of the quote by Nietzsche it's it's really interesting to see how those things fit together with a person in your real life, and and to see uh, it was my cousin. I was in New Orleans working on my sister's house after Katrina, after Hurricane Katrina, and my cousin Leo was the first person who ever sat me down and said, you know, and I was a clear, I was an adult, and he sits me down. And he goes, you know, man, I've always felt really awkward about people talking about your dad and I want to be I want to take a moment and tell you that your dad always treated me great and he always covered for me and he always took care of me and protected me and we wouldn't none of us would be in New Orleans if it weren't for your dad you know he found a business and he started it and he took all of his money and he bought houses for people and got them out of bad situations and replaced them in New Orleans and gave them jobs and purpose and meaning so this, this is what I meant when I said the reason they were so hurt and traumatized by him is because he was the great new hope. He was the guy who brought in solutions. They wanted a way out of their shitty lives, and he was it. And he provided them with that. And then he had this meteoric fucking downfall where he became corrosive and abusive. And it was too much for them to be able to handle and so their stories from that point forward became about all the terrible things, not so much about the good things. Right. And, and so that's where my cousins, they're going, you know, when I wrecked my dad's car, your dad was the one who was like, all right, bring it here. Let's, uh, we're going to make sure it's taken care of. I know a guy at a shop. <laughs> he's got Damn, that. Damn, I wish I'd known that. a guy in a he's shop. He's like Barney Stinson, he's I got a guy. Dude, but, that's, yeah. but how cool is that, right? In a weird way, it gave me such... It, it, it was a weird way for me to be able to relate to my father because it's the kind of shit I would do, right? Oh, you got to pro- right, bring it here. You know, mm-hmm. bring it here. We're going to figure it out. Oh, you need a new back end on that car? When's your dad coming back? A week? Yeah, we can do it. <laughs> we, we can get do it done. It. Mm-hmm. We're going to put some paint on it. We're going to fix it up. You're going to be fine. We're not going to let you get fucked over this. It was just a mistake, right? Well, and isn't that like an and example for life? I mean, everything is, a, everything is perception. Well, but you know, it's how we perceive it. But so the interesting thing for me is the dichotomy. You kept using the word dichotomy. For me, the dichotomy of my father is this tormented person who wasn't uh, fully healed from his own traumas as a kid. He was sexually abused as a kid. We're talking about cyclical events. You know, um, here's a person who really wanted to have an impact and had the creativity the charisma and the ability to make shit happen great things happen and then because of his ego because of his greed and all those other things that play into it 
it, he he had to take all the shortcuts he could get and it led to his downfall and it led to him being destructive and it led to the fact that he was abusive because he never cultivated that constitution that you would expect from somebody so charismatic and capable and and these people who were hurt by him were betrayed because they felt like oh god my life is made my siblings felt like their college educations were paid for right and when that stuff didn't fall through and didn't make it happen you can imagine they blame this man so it was interesting for me to sit in front of my cousin and have him tell me these stories about this cool outgoing protective individual who i could relate to right and and it was interesting because my sisters have those stories so does my mother but they're not going to share it with me because they were just destroyed by the fact of this guy they just were just couldn't deal with it they couldn't talk positive about him and and it's just a it's an interesting thing to be that man's son and find yourself in a position where you're like you know what I'm going to keep his name. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep that name. And I'm going to make it mean something different. And it, and if you if you know me, and you know how I'm not motivated by money and dollar signs, and I'm not motivated to compete in those circles that other people, and I don't like being beholden to patterns and subscribing to mentalities, it has everything to do with being started off by these terrible things. They sound terrible, right? Right. But how can I not attribute a great deal of who I am to those experiences? And that is that odd juxtaposition that I don't think gets talked about enough. You know, you guys are talking about this amazing family that you have that. Well, just, I think just that, to be clear, I mean, you know, the, the thing I was trying to get at, too, was that my family from the outside looking in for certain people who didn't know may have looked, you know, fantastic. But there were there were issues there. And, you know, they affected me. But, you know, that's a story for a different time. Well, but sure, I, from I, the outside I looking in, seeing a bunch of white folk point, with one though. little brown kid would right, be Right, one little brown kid. They were they were doing a fantastic <laughs> job taking care of a brown kid. So <clears> my <throat> point my point being is that you are talking about shared and similar life experiences with a family life that I would have been totally envious of as a mm-hmm. kid. Mm-hmm. Right? To and yet me, and yet can I just can I just say sure. that there were people that I grew up with, friends, that I was envious of their family life. Right. Well no, I think that's true. I think that's true. I, I only point I'm bringing up is this. We're grown ass men who are in this point, we're in the same room. We're talking about Sure he's things. a man. We'll we're talking that. about different perspectives and we're sharing our life experiences with the hopes that and somebody who's listening to this will be able to to not only relate to one of us but in many ways maybe they'll be able to relate to all of us in certain ways mm-hmm. and 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 find out that it's okay yeah. that there's no there's no prescribed lifestyle that makes you less than normal is i think the reality that comes with it you know, there's different values, but they're not really, they're just symbols. You know, like right. the difference between zero and five in this case is just the symbol. Right. It's not an actual value of you being less than. And I think that that's an interesting point because I appreciate your stories. And 
I'm glad to know those things exist. The only thing I'm trying to advocate for, for those people who might have found themselves in a position they had nothing to do with, that they feel like maybe they're the victim of, is that there is distinct value for your perspective and your ability to cultivate the skill set to survive the things that you have to live through and be able to advocate for your own personal experience and conclusions, lessons learned. Because for people like yourself and, mm-hmm. uh, and Mitch who have had a different life, you may find yourself being able to add advice to someone who's got a story to tell that may be different than yours, but that you know somebody that you listen to that had a similar experience. Or that even your kids or their lives with their siblings or with their their mates or right. husbands and wives. Well, and, it's and I would never I would never try to pretend story, like I know, you know what somebody's going through who didn't grow up with a father or grew up in like a family of divorce because I I'm, I do consider myself fortunate that I never had to experience. You that. should though. Mm, I do. I do. You should though. And I mean, and I realize that people, I don't have that shared experience. I'll tell you why because it gives you. I think at the ulti- at the end we all end up in a place of gratitude. Mm-hmm. You should end up in a place of gratitude. You should. Not everyone does, but you, you should, should because you can't put yourself in someone else's shoes. We should be grateful for the experiences we had. None of us can absolutely put ourselves in another's shoes. We're only the product of what we what we make. You know, like it's we could all have it better and we could all have it worse. And it's about uh doing the best with what you've been given and yeah. the best of what you earn. And so I I that's I what I think it is. I agree with you and I think it's about being open to perspective. Mhm. You know, Mike, you touched on that. Your father was very clear about wanting to see things from other people's perspective. I think when you're talking about the life that you have survived, whether it's great or good or easy or hard, I think having a mix of people who can come together and say, you know, uh, I'll give you a great example. For me, having the life I did, when things were going right, I had to look to other people to know how to deal with them. Right, mm-hmm. I wasn't prepared. Mm-hmm. So being able to talk to somebody who had a normal existence, a nor you know more normal thing with their father, I had to be like, so I don't want to punch him in the face. <laughs> no, no, you don't want to do that. He's being nice. You know, it's it, it it's figurative, but you know what I mean. You know, you you need to have those um, data points. It almost can be said that before there was fucking Google. There was asking your friends. Mm-hmm. And when you had a situation where you didn't know how you were going to deal with a life situation because of your upbringing, mm-hmm. you could look at somebody you were close to that you trusted and say, have you ever dealt with anything like this? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's changed, you know, whether it's happening over Facebook uh, because of technology or through Twitter. At some point, there's a very human interaction, transaction going on where you find a part of yourself and hopefully people listening to my story and hearing that I'm very open and comfortable with talking about it will be able to say, you know what? It's just a story. It's just my story. It's just the things that made me. And how can I use that to help somebody who doesn't know what the fuck they're dealing with 
you know, some person who had a decent life that never knew how to deal with these things. And now they married a guy that's abusing them. Or now they married a woman that's not dealing with them correctly. Or now they're dealing with divorce or separation. And maybe, like, in, 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 and not to reveal too much, but in our history between Mike and I, there were plenty of conversations where, for whatever reason, maybe inexplicably, I felt the need to present what the perspective may be from the kid going through a situation. Like, because nobody's adding that perspective. People can talk about how it is to be the husband, how it is to be the wife. But I came in and added a perspective of saying, I was that kid. I was that kid. And this is how you need to talk to that kid. This is what that kid is looking for. This is why that kid is angry. This mm-hmm. is why that kid is troubled. You know, maybe you never know the impact of giving somebody that perspective. It may make their family life better. It may make that kid's life. It may be an instrumental moment where in 20 years when that kid's doing his own podcast with his friends, he starts talking about the weird advice he got from his crazy uncle or his dad's friend, mm-hmm. you know, or for whatever reason, his dad just decided, you know what? I get it. I don't understand what you're going through. And that coming from an adult to a kid mm-hmm. is crazy. That's huge. Empowering. Yeah. It makes you trust them for them to be able to say, you know what? I need you to tell me because I don't know what this is like. Mm-hmm. I don't know it all, you know, I, I just, I want to help, but I'm not really sure how to, mm-hmm. you know, or I want to help myself and I'm not really sure how to reach that kid. Well, and I think that's big sometimes, you know, we feel like we have to have all the answers and we don't. Who I feel like they should have all the answers. You know, I think who? there's, I, who's think, this, who's I, I don't this know that should have all the answers. I don't know who this royal we is <clears> out there, but I feel like sometimes there are people out there who th- think they need to have all the answers. <clears throat> Let me tell you what I think about having all the answers. All right. That n- nobody does. And to believe that we can is folly. The the uh, uh, so coming <clears throat> so coming vain. back around to the purpose of the of the uh, for me, again we all have our own purpose for participating in anything that we do in life. But for me, one of the key purposes of this is because we don't have the answers, acknowledging we don't have the answers, and we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about it. I want to put put it out there. And I, I don't expect to have the answers. It could be said that these ruminations have been going on around campfires for a long time. Oh, they sir. have. Absolutely. This is this just is another evolution a, of that. This is a this is a theoretical <clears throat> campfire going on. Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, if Mitch would let I've me got start fire a fire and water, in the middle. does that count? <laughs> these thoughts and, and, and journeys we're taking into our personal lives, these are just s'mores for people to snack on. S'mores. Well, and I, I, just, want point, s'mores. I just want to point out, too, that, like, you know, in doing this, you know, I know you guys well enough to know that you've both been very honest and up and forthcoming with your answers on questions and and things you've shared. And you know, I'm trying to do the same thing. I I don't want to hide try it, man. You, anything. You, you get close. I get very close. I mean, I get as close as some of you guys, but you know, <laughs> I, I try. Um, but you know, I, I appreciate you guys sharing. I really do. Thanks. Because I know sometimes some of these memories, some of these things that you share can be painful. I think when you care about authenticity in people and you value that, um, maybe above other qualities and individuals, that it comes with a prerequisite of being truly um, vulnerable Mm -hmm. and uh, open about your past and your scars. And I think that that's, it's tremendously effective at displaying 
your character. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a demand for you to have to be open and honest about those struggles and being flawed. You know, your father did that for you Mm -hmm. and letting you know that he was flawed. And I think ultimately when you do come around people like that, it's comforting. It lets you know what to expect. I think it's a lot of why uh, Mike and I have been friends for a long time. Um, We're fierce competitors in a lot of things. (laughs) That's a good thing. Um, but truthfully, I think it boils down to just being honest. I've never tried to misrepresent myself um, to Mike ever. Yeah. You know? And 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 uh, to to good ends and bad ends. <laughs> if I was a cocky, well, outspoken well, asshole about something, I was a hundred percent that. <laughs> that's true. And, and let's be honest. You know, as as and I consider you guys family. You no. know. Um, you know, there are times when family doesn't get along and we get on each other's nerves. And I know I've done that to both you guys. And uh, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I wish to apologize at this point for that. But at the same time, I appreciate you guys for your honesty and, and for being real. You know, we, we talk about being real. I want, I love, I love so much. I have to tell you everything. <laughs> I appreciate mm-hmm. the fact that you guys are willing to share. And that's my line. Uh, of course. <laughs> Stop trying to steal <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and over the course of the years that I've known you guys, I appreciate the fact that uh, I've been, you know, I can share along. myself without feeling as though I need to hide anything. Put your penis away, Mike. <sighs> Do I have to? No. You said share yourself. It's beautiful. Lift it out off the ashtray. It's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> it's for the audience, I just want to let you know it's smaller than it sounds on the radio. You know what? You know what? It, uh, I'll fine. I'll put it away, but begrudgingly. Look, but not to be cliche, but it's not it for me again. Like it's not about uh, the destination; it's about the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I have always relished in the conversation of my fellows. I was teased this week. I'm not going to mention in what uh venue about using that term and I am sorry but I, I sometimes I speak a little bit which term fellows fellows yeah like Why my, you my fellows. fellows that that's a that's a little bit archaic a little old fashioned you know fellows and I, you know they're you my, mean timeless <laughs> as in my, my fellow fellows. American my I believe fellow that's American. what he's saying is yeah. timeless I'm yes. saying yes, I'm timeless sorry. I'm t- Excuse me. <laughs> Just so you know, Mitch, we're on your side. Thanks. Yes, we are on your so side. So continue. No, that was really that somebody, was a, that's why I made right there fun at that of moment. you. No, for, for using the word. I get made fun of for my uh, my vocabulary a lot. Wow, oh, I get you teased and, and hassled. Mitch, like I, I, you know, bizarro relatives there. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 it's been such a huge emphasis in my upbringing from my mother. Um, about vocabulary and communication and I've always been obsessed with interpersonal communication uh, to the point where sometimes um, because I'm known for being long-winded a lot of that stems from the fact that I'm I'm so if I'm insecure about anything it's about not being clear with what I'm trying Mm -hmm. to say so I will find a way to articulate words matter. Form. Yeah, matter. Even if that way means speaking Absolutely. for three, four, five matter. hours at a time. <laughs> that's I didn't fine. invent English. Okay. You want me to find oh, that's clear. language that's, that's clear. symbolic? Go there. But English is a very nuanced language. Mm-hmm. You have to use a lot of words to be able to articulate a specific 
message. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's the beauty that's of okay. it, I feel. And that's one of the things that like accentuates the state of being human and the fact that really we are these strange luminous and some might say spiritual beings in this world and we're dealing with like factual real world and and expressing some of those things sometimes takes a little bit of the uh, you have to be a little flowery from time to time well and i think it it stands to where you were saying about where who the people are that are going to be listening to the show and what maybe the impact of technology was whether it's communication to family i'm taking this a little broader i don't think that the skill of conversation is really there as a necessity anymore. I think our listeners can tell that from tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but they, they don't have that. And I think that the first thing I would notice is it puts a lot of people at the point of being susceptible to somebody who's good at articulating themselves because they'll be manipulated by that person. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and uh, perhaps at the risk of sounding like I don't know any better, it is a lot of how I, ex- I understand the Trump-Kushner doctrine. I would say that I, I do think that that correlates because you have people who are skilled at being non-concrete about things <laughs> and, uh, and and that provides them with a certain, certain people who diplomatic. have confidence in them and they, very diplomatic but people believe in that they like that authoritarian strongman image they invest in it and that's what makes them feel better and it's interesting because you can sit back and say those people are idiots or criticized but they're a great example of people who know what your average hardworking person who's too busy to have time to educate themselves on any particular issue and how they can be easily misled by by setting confidence to their insecurities. And I think that that is a, you know, so it depends on where you sit. You can either be the guy like me who's sitting there across going, dirty pool, mister, <clears throat> shaking your head. Or you can be the person who's on Wall Street going, he's just a strategy businessman and I like it. I don't, I don't like it. I think it's manipulative, and I think it's uh, seedy. You know, it's a dirty pool, and that guy needs to be run out of the fucking pool hall, in my opinion. So, uh, but that's where I was going with it. I think it's, um, I think it's important to note that the three of us with different upbringings and lifestyles can get together, and you'll take this conversation, and and it'll plug in somewhere down the line with somebody that you care about, and you'll be able to relate a little more than you did before. And me too. Uh, whereas I used to be more angry when I was a kid at people who were like you guys, who had a dad that was around giving you good pointers <laughs> and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I was jealous well, see because that, I thought that that provided you with a great advantage. That goes and back to what I was saying earlier about the outside looking in. I agree. But uh, I think that, that knowing now as an adult, I can tell you that um, I don't feel that way, obviously. I've had mm-hmm. it for a long time. But it gives me some sense of who you are. Mm-hmm. That mountains and molehills, right? Like my, right. my mountains and and your mountains are different. You know, and that doesn't mean less or more. Right. It's just a symbol. You know, zero and the five is just it's just a way to categorize. It's not doesn't mean shit. And I think that when you know that and you can put it into perspective of the individual who's telling the story, it makes it a little more um, advantageous and maybe easier to learn from. 
and and take it for yourself and that's what that's you know my mother used to tell me that when i was a kid and i've always took it as a tenant smart person learns from their own mistakes a wise person learns from the mistakes of others and i've always aspired to be a wise person i think it falls somewhere like mm, other sides of that line <laughs> one side or the other <laughs> learn from my mistakes sometimes <laughs> learn from well, other people depends mistakes. on the mistake other times yeah so, <laughs> so uh let's 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 pick a song let's let's harmonize for a second a are song? you kidding me right now no let's do it what, <laughs> what's the song come on i don't know oh, oh, oh for, for the, the longest time, time. Oh, no we absolutely can we've got mm. the gear for that too let's do that later on that then. <laughs> i just wanted to break the mood you know that's cool man uh it's been a fun night, man. I've, I've yeah, loved it. It was, it was a different night than the other night, and that's okay. That's, that's wait, wait, absolutely okay. Sorry. So go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Was, you got a beautiful voice, Joel. So inspired by you. Should hit it, man. Come on. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do, do some, we're gonna do some karaoke, we're gonna do a karaoke night. Absolutely. Be, really All right. Fun. Let's do it. Does Brooke do karaoke? She does not. She likes to sit back and let me wake up. But likes to and, watch and you already it. know Amanda will sometimes. We actually, Amanda and I have been known to bust out some close my eyes forever. Yeah, she won't do that with us. Oh, we did great. That. Lead a four. Yeah. yeah. That's how we did it. Yeah. Awesome. Because <clears throat> wow. Mitch likes Ozzy. And he can do Ozzy. Some people I know that. I can't sing Ozzy. Not, not everyone knows that I like I Ozzy. I have a question for you, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up? Do you, do you realize how, like, what do you, how would you describe in short term the impact of Amanda on your life? Oh my God! Oh, wow. We're starting that's, the night all over. That's huge, man. That's like starting all over. Again. No, no, no. He's gonna go you, pretty you good. Know, no, 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 pretty no, good. Go. That's what I gotta say. Pretty no, good. No, you wanna know it's the pretty truth? Good. Pretty good. I think we're good. All right. Some good. So the, some the bad, way I the way I can sum that butters. up. Both are good. The way I can sum that up and being absolutely serious is that uh, I was at work the other day and I thought of Amanda and she made me smile. Oh. Um, oh Amanda is incredible, dude. Seriously. Um, she is. I had a friend of mine years ago named Becky and uh, Becky and I there was one night I can I can pinpoint the night <laughs> had had I done something different our whole relationship would have changed but I there are times when I, I think about Becky and I wonder what would I have been if you if would I put it in no, no. Uh, not to be as, not to put it not in to be day, crass. If it weren't for the one no, no, thing no, I didn't do, no, it was it, I if it if in. I had been with Becky, like if we had had a relationship and that had endured, with? fucking, what would I have been, fucking, if I had been with Becky? No, not at all. No, not the fucking. And there are <laughs> there are times, dude, when like literally, Amanda reminds me of Becky. I don't know how and to feel about that. I don't know how to feel about saying, that either. I'm, I'm, not saying, how sure, I'm not sure how she feels. I think I've already told Amanda this. That I think Becky was a strong, independent woman, <laughs> and uh, I think that uh, she was a lot like you. Maybe not quite as heavy. Is no, that no, 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 no. I'm not even going with that. I'm say. just saying. I'm just saying that like uh, Becky was incredible, and I think Amanda was incredible too. So I'll just leave it at that. Can we find her on <laughs> Facebook? Yes. Oh man. And bad. I have. And on the next episode, who's <laughs> Becky? Yeah, I need to know more about Becky now. Mm, I'm just saying. Yeah. Do, you ever, 
Do you ever mistakenly say backing at the wrong time? No. Have no, you ever no. said the wrong name at the wrong time? Yeah. No, uh, not the wrong. Maybe. <laughs> you, ever, you ever look at Matt and be like, maybe you had good legs. Okay, so you're gonna, you're <laughs> gonna edit this legs. out, maybe. right? You have good legs too, Amanda. But you know Becky what? Had great legs. You know what? You're gonna, you're gonna edit this out, right? Mitch? I'm not gonna edit any you of better this out. This out. I might so edit some things. Sometimes but I look at my wife and I think, you know, she's pretty good. Like this Becky chick, she was good. <laughs> But Amanda, she's pretty good. Yeah, she's like, no, so uh, years ago when, when Amanda and I first moved in together. Oh, yeah. I've and this is, that. honestly, this is back when Martinez passed away. This oh, is shortly man, before he passed away. Um, we were living together in the apartment, yes, and yes, there was yes, one yes. night where Amanda, I was, I was starting to doze off, and Amanda said to me, I love you. And I said, I love you too, Jen. And I, I, the I, silence you hear is my face. Yeah, that was my ex-wife. I said her, my ex-wife's it's name. All the faces and, around the table. Yeah, it's true. It's all the faces around the table. Um, insert so I, insert Kill Bill moment. Yeah. There was like a Kill Bill moment going on right there. Yeah. Um, and I I immediately woke up at that point. <laughs> I was I was almost asleep, and when she said she loved me, and I said I love you too, Jen. And as soon as I uttered those words. I immediately woke up. See, I like where this is going because I think um, in a future episode we should have an episode of uh, did you say the wrong name or was the wrong name said to you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll just say that I've never had the wrong name said to me, but I did say the wrong name at an inopportune time. Let me just say this. I have to say this, though. I've known Mike and Amanda for a long time, right? And... Mike, you've always, right. been, you've always been a good guy, and I've liked you for a long time as a buddy. But, man, Amanda has truly made your life better and given you an opportunity to blossom like a pretty flower. You know what? She has. I won't even lie. My father, my father, and I mentioned you know, You said, you, you know, your father's your hero. My father's my hero. Uh, my father even commented one time uh, about a year and a half ago about the fact that I am a different person with Amanda. And he thinks that uh, she's brought a lot out of me. She has. Mm-hmm. She absolutely has. So I, I take that as a compliment. I don't know that I've ever told you her should. that. But my father. Yeah. My father, yeah Jesus. You know, and saved you. You know, mm. I think she kind of did. She wreathed into your um, shitty married life and plucked you out of a bad situation, man. Well, and, and the funny let thing me was. Let me tell you know what Amanda is? Amanda's the person that's willing to buy a lemon and fix it up. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the term. I think that's the, that's the turn of phrase too. Mike, you're the Bought best, a lemon you're the and fixed it up. Ford Escort I've ever seen. Uh, oh, thanks, yeah, my friend. Um, no, no, it's. True. I love you both dearly. <clears throat> you know that. I know you do. I really know you do, because of the fact that you and I discussed that, uh, and, and this was you know off podcast last time, but after the fact, we discussed the fact that uh, Amanda did not make a good first impression when she met Charlie and his wife. Brooke. It was Brooke. Brooke. It wasn't me. It was Brooke. No, it's true. It's true. But she did not make a good first impression. Brooke did not like Amanda. No. And part of that was probably my my fault. (laughs) And I will admit that because I pushed Amanda to come meet my friends. I really pushed for her to come meet Charlie and, and all my friends on that side. Um, and she wasn't that ready. Side. That side. I know. Well, it's like DC it's versus well, Marvel. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's like you're, that side. You're Marvel. You're DC. Uh, <laughs> but bitch. I've been trying to bring you together for years. But uh, so 
you know, I pushed Amanda to come meet you guys, and uh, and she wasn't quite ready for it at the time, and I pushed. But when everything went down, she did not react well, <laughs> and and Brooke Brooke did not like her, and I felt like she had had really treated my friends poorly, and I was pissed. <laughs> and so I swore right then and there that I would never invite her back to Charlie's house, and I never have. To this day, I never have. Charlie's the one who bridged that gap because I refused to do it. I spent a lot of time talking to her, man. He we did. Have, we have he our did. own friendship too. Charlie, Charlie went out of his way to make friends with Amanda. Yeah, that's on, what I on my behalf. I do. Um, I like Amanda a lot. Yeah. No. Oh no, Amanda is Amanda is Big awesome. Fan. She's, she's cool she is shit, sweet man. and she is awesome. But uh, yeah, Charlie went out of his way to 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 cultivate that friendship, and I gave up i was like that is it i will never invite her back to charlie's house she will never be back there on my request and to this day she has not been back there on my request that has been charlie who has who has requested her presence we're great friends Mm -hmm. and then uh i'm happy to say that brooke and her brooke loves amanda yeah yeah things have been smoothed over but i uh, that's such a good story she loves amanda a good story without good details but you know what's cool yeah, it's true. She probably does love her more than me. Most people do. Once they get to know the couple, you know, they do like Amanda more than you. Yeah, Ouch. No. <laughs> it's probably true. I, I just have to say from from an outside point of view, I've got a lot of friends who have been lucky enough to find somebody that was perfect for them. Mm-hmm. You know, Pete found Sarah. Mm-hmm. You found Amanda. It's true. Uh, Amanda found you. Mm. I'd say we both did a fair amount of search. Uh, let me put it this way. You were having fun. She went slumming. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was it, having fun. It's true. It it's true. No, but you know, you know how I feel about that with your backstory. Listen, yeah. you know, for the record, Mike was just a smidge short of being an abused husband, in my opinion, in his previous marriage. So I, I think it. I don't. I don't want to cast some some sort of uh, uh, message that makes it sound like you were a bad person. You weren't. Uh, and it just so happens that Amanda is a, a very forward-thinking, uh, modern woman, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you're lucky for that. You well, know? you know, one of the things I love about Amanda and that I appreciate is that I, I really do, I really do see her as like an equal, you know, a partner in this relationship. Um, she hits harder than you do. She does. If uh, if if kids. something happened to me cuz like with in my previous relationship right and not to kids. not to denigrate my 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 previous marriage but because because I did I I I did and I still do to this lay to this day uh love my ex-wife um she is the mother of my children and she's a fantastic mother she may not have been the perfect wife <laughs> But she is a, a fantastic mother and a fantastic. I'd like woman. to display some speculation that perhaps, just maybe, by circumstance, you know, <laughs> you know, she and I, my my ex wife Jen and I have talked, and she will even admit to this day that there are things that she should have done differently in our relationship. Yeah, no shit. And uh, you know, and I appreciate that fact. <clears throat> but and and there was a point in time where I did not view her as my equal. I viewed her as somebody else, somebody that I had to to support. And bring along, and everything was on my shoulders, and I resented that fact. Tell and your this own is soil, people. This Tell is what this soul. is what led Somebody to the this is what you. led to the demise, and and Amanda, I do not see in that that light at all. Like Amanda is no, of course, because she, she's your better. She is my better. She really <laughs> is. She really <laughs> is. Like she she works so hard, 
and she's an incredible mother. She and dragged I, your ass through some tough, important shit, and you know it. You know, it's true. It's true. And and I try to point out to the kids. Uh, she day ramsied your ass every man. day. She in fact, you straight in up. fact, just tonight, just tonight, you know, my youngest daughter, I had her emptying the dishwasher because it's the kid's job to do that and stuff. We have chores for them. And so I had my youngest daughter doing that, and my youngest daughter was complaining. She's like, why don't you guys do this? And I told her, I'm like, you know what? For one thing, your mother and I work very hard to put a roof over your head, to provide you with clothes, to provide you with all the things that you take for granted. I'm like, and the other thing is, you need to realize how hard your mother is working, especially at this point in time, to be able to provide a, a, uh, a vacation for us later on this summer to make sure that we uh, have bills paid off and everything. You're about two degrees away from starting to talk about how you uh, you guys are like a representation of the top 1%. You don't understand, <laughs> sweetie. Because your mother and I, we're job creators. Okay? Uh, no, <laughs> not, even, not even like that. Like, you know, I realize I'm like, if anything, and at, this is at the most, I'm like lower middle class. I'm probably like, you know, upper upper lower class, if, if to be honest. But uh, and I'm okay with that. You know, I grew up. I grew up in an area where uh, people had trailers, and you know, we were rednecks. And I'm cool with that. What's wrong with that? What's wrong I realize there is nothing wrong with that. And I'm it not saying like anything about it. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, I love. I love where I grew up. Came from a fucking minefield. I did come from a minefield. People had trailers. Yeah, people had trailers. It was horrible. Oh my god! In a world full of trailers, there were tires holding the roof on. That's right. There were actually were trying. No, I know. I've seen that. Yeah, you yeah I know. You forget. You were yeah. born slumming. My I, was like I was forty miles. I was not. You, I know. you know what? I never realized I was slumming until we would travel across country. Is this before you became opinionated and rugged? Like yes, a real man? completely. R- rugged. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Mitch. I am rugged. <laughs> um, but. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That, like Amanda. Okay, just, just for the record, if you guys know, um, there's such a thing as the Marlboro Man. Mike is like the Virginia Slim. <laughs> You're gonna say Virginia Slim menthol, right? Yeah. Well, fuck you and fuck you, because I am rugged. It's damn a you. Decent size of a cigarette. <laughs> it's a good size. It's totally adequate. No, I realize totally I rugged, realize dude. what I have in Amanda, so and rugged. I appreciate that every day, and I hope yeah. she realizes that I appreciate it. And I try to I try to share that with her, that I do appreciate. Keep it. trying, bro. I keep trying every day. So I mean, now, you you know, I'm, I'm I only bring it up because I, I'm a big appreciator of your 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 wife because she's a friend of mine, friend mm-hmm. of my wife's. Mm-hmm. And I just think she's a great person. She's she is. She's, she's fantastic, man. You know, she's she's, she's a cool a lady. Person. Yeah. Really oh yeah. Person. She was more fun when she used to do karaoke, but you know, that's cool. Yeah. Well, you know what? That was back when all four of us—you, me, and Martinez and Amanda—were were out drinking yeah, a buddy. lot. So <clears throat> Martinez used to call us the four M's, mm-hmm. even though Amanda is Amanda. No, she's Amanda. Manda. She was Manda, Manda, Mitch, Martinez, and Mike. Uh, when the four of us would go out drinking a lot. We'd go out to Cactus Moon a lot. We'd get drunk a lot, and we would. I think one episode. Well, really maybe maybe I was only on driving stories. I mean, it should just be like, okay, tonight is going to be the stories we all forgot. That's true. That's true. Uh, so stories we all that forgot. Be your final segment is the the meaning you particularly your perspective is mine from being such a good listener, Mitch. Mm-hmm. I mean. Uh, if I can provide you with some sort of feedback on my experience, just hearing the way that you manage this kind of thing. You know, <laughs> Zero you, management? No, you do have a management style because I mm. think that you're a great listener 
and there's something about I, I can hear it in my voice where I feel like sometimes at the wrong time I'm assertive and Mitch you always have this voice that's like yes I understand Perhaps, <laughs> yeah. that's because Mitch is understanding yeah. perhaps it's not that you know you know and I'm always much more child's like well do you really think it's this I don't know, <laughs> you know like, well we'll listen back in fact this one went so long yeah, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm not gonna edit this part out probably. that y'all are coming over to help me edit this shit up <laughs> that sounds like, like work like three, I didn't sign on to do work three so. four hours takes fucking six this. hours to edit Whatever level you want to let me help and collaborate with you on, I'll be happy to. I have loved this. That's great. And I see see what you're going for, and I'd love to contribute. Well, look, uh, yeah, come over and check it out. It's a it's actually pretty fun, and I I get to laugh at it all again. Oh, it's it's actually really entertaining. You know, he said the last time we didn't sound as drunk as we really were. I I did say something to that effect. I was actually surprised because listening back to it, I was like, wow, we don't even sound like there's that that much drinking going on. Although this time I think that will be a different story. This time feels different. It feels different. I won't lie. But, um, yeah, I, I would, yeah. Do you even have my phone number? I do. I do. Do I you? Just, I do. Yeah. Did I send I, that to you? No, you didn't. Oh, okay. Mike has told me several to times that he was going to send it to me. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah well, come, okay, come over so and, I'll, and I'll, show you how I do, I'll show you how I edit it. I'll show you the software. Here's the reason it. why I didn't send it to you. No, that's I okay. You can interrupt me. for that's permission cool. first oh, really. to send it to you. What? You're welcome. I didn't hear anything you said. Yes, I was you ignoring did. you. Don't pretend like you didn't. I didn't hear and anything. And you weren't. So, anyways, here's the story. So, come over. Help me edit it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct, though. That's correct <laughs> that number. is correct. Okay. I don't know. I didn't look at it. I thought it was Georgium. Georgium. Uh, yeah. So I that'd think be, only that'd Georgium be called you that. Come over and check it out um, because it's absolutely what I was going for. And so anyways, yeah, that's, uh, that's right. That's correct. Okay. I'm not going to say it. Yeah, Quote on the air. <laughs> get, a lot of, get a lot of tech messages. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be fun. Thanks for providing the forum, Mitch. I've enjoyed myself. I know it went long today, but I think we were talking about a lot of personal and deep memories, and I think it's great to be able to find a common ground between somebody who's had a, a really twisted uh, backstory like myself and um, people like you guys who have had a little bit more of a... Um, slightly less, less slightly traumatic, more of a... Less traumatic. I'm not traditional, gonna say perhaps? I think mm. I, I don't want to I'm sick of you and your traditional word. I think yeah. we covered it a lot in you the know, last podcast we did talk about in the last podcast um you know we, we talk peril. about traditionalists there are still like like hardcore right-wing republicans who talk about traditional times and all this bullshit okay go on and, uh, charlie what were you saying uh, uh, ouch <laughs> <laughs> um i i just i just really um i cannot express easily the value I think that can be provided to people to be able to listen to individuals with such different backstories be able to express such a connection. Friendship, patience, listening to one another, and, and the ability to understand the other's story even when it might not be um, particularly intuitive to the way that you may have grown up. Mm-hmm. You know, So I, I find myself in a place of appreciating your stories um, because I know the value of them because I know the the absence of that value, uh, so you know a lot of times when I hear stories like that, it's it's interesting because I feel like I can provide a thread of appreciation that you may not be able to have yourself, because I can tell you that not having that it, it, and 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 really 
kind of sum up where I started with this whole thing and this long podcast. Uh, I really do think that um, having the ability to look at other people's lives and appreciate what they have because you didn't have it is a great thread to add to somebody's story. It can make them end at gratitude where maybe they wouldn't have before because they hadn't stopped to think what their life might have been like if they hadn't had that. Something they may have complained about previously. So, you know, I, I, I do think there's a, a value to it, Mitch, and I think the time you're taking, and people may not be able to witness this, but to be able to cultivate sort of a grassroots effort to be able to produce a studio and <laughs> the effort to be able to talk about these kinds of things is, is no small thing. It's not just happening magically and appearing on a computer. So I think I think it's a good thing, and I think people can get a lot out of it, and I hope they do grassroots like i said i love the experience mitch thank you uh so that was kind of charlie's closing uh sentiments comments mike uh i think i just summed it up <laughs> it's not gonna be right let's no. talk about your cock <clears throat> well i was gonna say boobies let's talk about times. girth girth <laughs> girth is very important <laughs> no i just i, I love being here mitch um you know as a, as i've stated before i don't have a lot of friends but the ones that I do have, I value. And so I hope you guys realize that how much I value both your friendships and uh, and the fact that I do I try and work at, uh, especially with Charlie's case, uh, work at trying to keep you guys close. Um, He's tried to keep us apart for so long. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so I just really appreciate being here. Uh, I love the experience. Ago, if it weren't for you. I know. Except for Charlie, maybe next time we should do it ourselves. Well, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna leave town soon, so it will just be you and I. Ah, yeah, yeah, he's and that's what I'm excited about too. It's it, it'll be fun to see what, um, how it develops, what it turns into, mm-hmm. um, because it'll be like the family podcast. And I know you both expressed earlier tonight cross country podcast, like the cross country podcast. I'm gonna I I don't think yeah. it'll take me long to figure out how to make that happen too. Plus, on the phone. just come fucking visit. I'm excited to visit. Come yeah, visit. New Orleans here's, is here's a great place. Great podcast idea. Come visit, spend a few days going on cemetery tours. Mm-hmm. And, Shit. And, and like I did that. Are you going to take me to Anne Rice's house? Dude, I will. Oh, I, don't fuck with me. I'm not. <laughs> I'll take you to Madame Louveau's grave where the people still make voodoo sacrifices. And I will take you to Anne Whoa, Rice's easy. house. Easy. I'll take you Put to that away, bitch. Put okay, that away. I'll, you want me to make it move? I'll take you to the <laughs> oldest bar in the country. It used to be a blacksmith like house. And it's still got the same cobble. That's so hot from, right now. From the 1700s. <laughs> and it's still a cool All right. wall, but it's don't, a great don't, don't clown around. We're I'm coming out there to visit. I ain't got no kids. <laughs> it's true. But do a podcast there. It's there actually... Uh, do a mobile podcast. Absolutely can. In fact, once we hang up or close it down for tonight, we'll, we'll discuss a little bit or we'll talk about like later on because I know you both expressed some interest in doing that. Mm-hmm. And Mike's saying he wanted to do that with some people on time. Oh, we'll, definitely. We'll get I'll that, do we'll a once a week thing. I'll make sure. I think we should do it once a week like over the, over the Skype, over the vo- vocal, whatever. Yeah, we can do it. Yeah. As long as you want. Yeah. It can happen. Let's do it. All right. So closing uh, comments and thoughts. Uh, folks, this is what it's all about. This is why... I endeavored to do this and not in like an egotistical or anything kind of way, but just I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to get emotional on it, but look, man, all we've really got is each other. All we've got are the relationships we cultivate. All that we really have is the things that we share with one another. 
and the things that make us that's what that's what makes us human that's what makes the, ex- the experience uh, worthwhile and delving into and so I'm really glad that we were here tonight to talk about these things because it's pretty heavy heavy stuff and and it got pretty real I'm glad that we're here and I'm glad that we're talking about it it takes balls to be authentic it's not easy and when you can connect with another person in a really truly genuine way it's unique and to be able to capture that for an audience or even just one listener is difficult and rare and I think you've managed to do it twice in a row thank you Mitch I'm glad we're here um, that's it that that encapsulates it um, I hope someone out there got it got something out of it if not Me too. it's cool we did uh, so for tonight this has been Mike Charlie and Mitch with honesty from the red room good night Just a couple quick notes as we file this podcast away into the recesses of our memories and uh, the graveyard of podcasts on the internet. Uh, hopefully it'll get re-listened to again and again uh, at some point down the road. Uh, it was pretty long, and if you made it through, thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. We really hope that there was something in there for you. Uh, there was certainly there a lot for us. Um, it took a little while to get posted. This was the second podcast we ever shot. Uh, took a shot at from the Red Room. Um, So thanks for listening. I mean, it it had some rough edges. We were trying to get through some of those things, and I really wanted to make sure that we got the volume fixed a little bit for uh, Charlie uh, because I felt he had some really important things to say, some stuff that I hope that hopefully someone was able to take away, uh, maybe make a connection. Maybe it meant something to somebody that has gone through similar things. Um, as a whole, it was a, it was a really great experience and I'm really grateful for those guys to sit down and do it. I'm really grateful if you're out there listening right now. And, uh, I just wanted to say once more, uh, thanks for your patience in in waiting for this one to get posted and put up there. I just wanted to try and get it as right as possible. We like it kind of raw, but, uh, we want to make sure that we're serving the purpose, uh, which is to share and, and hopefully connect. I feel I learned a lot on this night and, I hope going forward we get an opportunity to have these guys back and, and do some more sharing and, and do some more talking and kind of like stumble our way through the dark and uh, find a little bit of uh, illumination. Bidding you all uh, the best in your ruminations. One more time, this is Mitch from the Red Room. Have a great night.